but I'm, I'm, I'm always thinking about, you know, the things I did in order to get here. Because, you know, I tell the guys, you know, my, the guys in my room, how you do one thing is how you do everything. You know, so whether I'm coaching in the league or I'm coaching in the Ivy League or I'm coaching in the SEC or Big 12, wherever, like, you know, I want to be the same. I want to always continue to write, write letters to guys. I want to always stay in contact with people. I want to always shoot text messages to coaches that I don't need anything from. Because that's how I've gotten here, um, to keep those relationships tight so that if and when I do need you to, call someone I can easily shoot that text over and it doesn't have to come in a long-winded you know two-paragraph text but it's just coming one sentence because I've already built that relationship up. On today's Teachable Moments Steve Hauser sits down with Jordan Hogan receivers coach at Colgate. Jordan's been on the show before he's somebody I met at the New York State High School Football Coaches Association Clinic back at the beginning of 2020 and I was highly impressed with him. He was at Cornell at the time, in that time in between. He's been to the Arizona Cardinals and served in an internship program. He's back at the FCS level right now, a former Division III football player at Brockport, and I think has done just an incredible job, especially on the networking end. So, Steve, this is another good one in this series here in Teachable Moments presented by Teach Tapes. And what are your thoughts on Jordan Hogan? What really popped as you sat down and spoke with him? on teachable moments yeah the first thing Keith and, and Jordan talks about it is just different paths to get there I'm a division three receiver he played that world to get into this and make sure you scrap and claw the same way you don't have an advantage of a facility or spring ball or summer workouts you got to figure it out there's no excuse right there's other guys with quote-unquote advantages but you can turn yours into a strength too with your work ethic and Jordan's clearly found his way to make more opportunities whether that's networking or just investing in his craft talking about studying different people and trying to do things the right way and have a purpose behind it. Yeah, I know. Again, this is another great one with Jordan. He definitely doesn't disappoint on this podcast, so I'm excited about this one. Here you go, Teachable Moments with Steve Hauser and Jordan Hogan. What you see on tape is a direct reflection of what you teach and how you teach. Video is important, but if you don't teach well, you're not going to like what you see on your video. First Down Playbook has been helping coaches teach better for 13 years. It allows you to present installs, playbooks, and practice cards in half the time with NFL quality. Coaching tools like video pairing, a player app, practice schedules, and wristband sheets have made First Down Playbook a program management system with everything in one place. If you're in a position of leadership with your football program, receive a free one-week look at First Down Playbook. Call them at 512 812- 814-6158 or visit them on their website or social media. Mention Coach and Coordinator Podcast or use the coupon code COACH24 to receive a $100 discount off the normal $700 First Down Playbook team membership price. Links and the phone number are in the show notes. All right, stepping in for another round of uh, Teachable Moments here. And what's been really nice about this series is you're getting to know a different variety of people, right? You got some coordinators, some former NFL guys, the special teams world. Everyone's got their own niche. And, you know, excited to get to know Jordan Hogan a little bit more. You know, he's the receivers coach at Colgate, had a full long year with the Arizona Cardinals as their fellowship coaching candidate, different minority internships in the training camp world. I'll let Jordan tell his story, but Jordan, great to have you on, man. Thanks, Steve. Uh, I'm always excited to talk about you know, my little journey, my path, because obviously there's hundreds of thousands of us coaches, whether, you know, we're talking high school, peewee up to college or high school to college. And, 
everyone has a different path to get into where they want to go. So my path is a little bit different, just like I'm pretty sure it is for you. And I'm always really geeked up to share a little bit about my path and my story, just being from a small town in, in New York and playing D3 ball definitely has its challenges as you try to move up in the ranks here. All right. So Jordan, you like stole my notes going into this, man. So the first thing <laughs> I had to ask was D3 receiver life, all right, from one guy to another. I mean, you had a lot more catches than I did, but Tell me how that experience of understanding that world, right? And then going into these other big schools, whether it's high academic or professionals and like knowing what it's like at the ground floor moving up. Yeah. So it's funny, like I'm currently on spring break here, Buffalo, New York. Um, I'm spending some days, you know, professionally developing at University of Buffalo with UB Bulls and Coach Mo Linquist and his staff. So, and it's always interesting just to kind of take a step back when you're watching other staffs and you know, go about how they do things. But it brings me back to my first job, which was at Buffalo State's D3 school in the heart of Buffalo. And I'm a D3 guy. And, you know, I don't want to say it the wrong way, but when you're a D3 guy or when you're a D3 football player coming up, you may have to take a different route because obviously we're not, we might not look the part, you know, from a physical standpoint, we may not be six, you know, six, two, six, three plus, you know, a certain weight, you know, certainly for me, I'm a tall, skinny guy. Um, and most of the time when people see me, before I open up my mouth, they probably don't uh, picture me as a football coach until I start talking next to the nose and talking about the receiver world. But I say all that because coming from the D3 world, we're already behind the eight ball. You know, we didn't go to the biggest school. We didn't have maybe the, the marquee name behind our name or behind our backs and things like that. So we got to do a lot more. We got to network a little bit harder, a little bit longer. We got to maybe write a, a few more letters. Uh, we maybe have to do a few more internships. We, maybe we got to create videos on YouTube to get our names out there. And these are all the things that I'm listening to off that I had to do in order to get my first internship. So not to say that the people that come from Division Two and up are automatically blessed with having opportunities to QC and the GA at, at big schools. But you know, when you're D3, you're, you know, small school, you know, so you're probably a smaller name in a coaching realm. So you got to do a little bit more. It definitely has helped me climb the ladder and helped me just to network and, you know, appreciate all the things I did what this is my 11th year coaching so all the things I did you know seven eight years ago when I was in year two or year three at Buff State to know like okay like I'm running my own room here at, at Colgate you no know, great great school great institution high academic kids all, all that good stuff but I, I'm, I'm always thinking about you know the things I did in order to get here because you know I tell the guys you no know, my the guys in my room how you do one thing is how you do everything you know so whether I'm coaching in the league or I'm coaching in the Ivy League or I'm coaching in the SEC or Big 12 wherever like you know, I want to be the same. I want to always continue to write write letters to guys. I want to always stay in contact with people. I want to always shoot text messages to coaches that I don't need anything from. Because that's how I've gotten here, um, to keep those relationships tight so that if and when I do need you to call someone, I can easily shoot that text over and it doesn't have to come in a long-winded, you know, two-paragraph text message. It's just coming one sentence because I've already built that relationship up from all the things I've done to establish the relationship. So it's kind of a long-winded answer. Hopefully it makes sense. <laughs> Yeah. And it's funny, like my brain was running a mile a minute while you're going through that, Jordan, because I got the same advice coming from a high academic division three school and, you know, writing to these other guys who have lived it in the quality control world, you know, wanting to go to the NFL, like everybody else, you, you keep their rejection letters and, you know, we'll keep your name on file and yeah. you know, it's stored yeah. in your parents' childhood closet. You know what I mean? Like, and there's one that I'll never forget. And it came from a guy who now everybody knows his name. It was Nick Sirianni back in like 2010. And he wrote back to me and he's like a quality control coach way back in the day. He's like, I don't know who gave you advice, but they're pulling your leg. Like, I can't do anything for you. I wish I could, but keep hustling. Yeah. But God knows I can't help you. Whatever that wording was, 
it's still one of those things of like, man, you're just trying to figure it out. So what I will turn that question to next, Jordan, is who is a guy that you've met along the way that you just think has done it the right way? right? Maybe it's another guy that's your age. Maybe it's someone that you've seen now that you're a position coach of like, just trying to figure it out and navigate the profession. Like, is there anyone that you feel like, man, I respect the way he approaches this business? I don't have anyone that jumps right to mind. Well, I played at Brockport. Who don't know, Brockport is a division three school in the state of New York. Uh, our conference at the time was the NJAC. We played a ton of teams from um, New York State and New Jersey. And from my team or from the years when I was playing, um, there are a ton of coaches, my brothers, that you know, got into the coaching profession. So there's just a ton of us that have all taken different paths. You know, some of us are still coaching and some of us have had to make the hard decision of like, I can only make 30 or $40,000 for X amount of years and I got to get a real job. You know, I got things I got, I want and I got to maybe you have a family and things like that. But I respect all juries. I respect all paths because at the end of the day, you do have to make a grown up decision. Because obviously, you know, this profession is tough. It is a business. No matter if you're talking NFL or you're talking college, you have to eventually provide for your family. And I'm just blessed enough to be able to, unfortunately, you know, learn and grow from some of the, I don't call them mistakes, but some of the decisions that um, some of my brothers have made. And I've made sure to maneuver around some of the obstacles that they have gone through and that they have shared with me. You know, whether it's just, you know, hey, like maybe you should GA here, maybe you should QC, you know, at a G5 or wherever, you know, maybe you should go run your own room, you know, at a D3 program, or maybe you should, you know, maybe see if you can get a coordinator title attached to your name because it may make you more marketable when you're looking for a job. So again, like there isn't um, one coach um, that I've looked at. I mean, there's anybody that comes from the D3 realm, like I'm, especially, you know, when you look at them and they're now a power five or G5 or QC at the, at the next level, I'm definitely like always looking at kind of like, okay, what track did they take? Were they into the scouting department or the player personnel department? And then they were able to weasel their way into a room in the back seat and be able to just take some notes. So I do a lot of back channeling. I do a lot of research into like who I'm writing when we're talking about in the forefront, starting a relationship with. Um, I usually just don't write or introduce myself into someone that's just random. Like I try to make sure there's a tie. Could be a D3 tie, could be an Ivy League tie, could be a New York tie. I try to make sure like I, there's some thought, there is a process behind whoever I'm trying to go after. So tell me this, Jordan, you've been able to drop in kind of from the clouds during these training camp moments and then get back with your team during the fall. Like when I was with the Browns, they'd always joke about the, the GA room or that work room, right, of guys are just coming in and out and it's hellfire, hell in a handbasket, right? You don't yeah. know what's going to come up, but – what did you learn in those moments of different organizations, different groups of young guys that you were just kind of a part of in helping, right? At the end of the day, it's how do we get this thing done better? What is some statement or, or thing that you've kind of carried through from one of those experiences into now being in your own room? I have a saying that I, I've taken when I was first with the Bills in 2016 and all the internships and fellowships I've done. For the one thing for coaches that are listening out there that haven't been a part of a, an NFL organization or even like a, a really, you know, top tier college program. You know, anytime you go into a position room, I don't care if it's an O-line, running backs, you know, whatever the case is. And I'm not trying to ruffle anyone's feathers that could be, you know, a, a high a high level position coach. But, you know, if you're an intern, if you're a QC, you have to understand that that position coach is a very guarded, it's a very guarded territory. It's a very guarded room. You know, when you have someone coming in for a week or for two weeks, you know, they're very on edge. You know, they may not be so open with you as a visitor. Something that I learned early on is you want to be quick to listen and slow to speak. 
especially though when you're doing NFL internships, obviously, you know, all of us know we want to you want to get the internship. You want to stay there you know, for a full year or for however long you can. Anytime you get asked a question or you get asked to do something, you're quick to do it. You're quick to say it, and then you say everything that you know about football and you, you're kind of coming across just talking out your mouth. And you're not thinking. And one of the um, the quotes, one of the, the actions I've always taken is like being able to read the room. Right. So if you're able to read the room, understanding, OK, this is my time maybe to interject. Maybe this is my time when coach actually would like some feedback. He would like, you know, maybe an idea here or there. But so many times, you know, young coaches and I still consider myself young. Um, I'm 31. Uh, but young guys get into a room, could be NFL or power five or wherever, and then they get a, a chance to talk. But, you know, there's no substance behind it. And you're just talking just so that their voice can be heard. But you're saying something, you're saying things, but no one is really listening. So um, that's always been something that, you know, was very, that was taught to me. That was told more importantly, it was told to me early on, like, hey, Hogan, like, you're going to get your chance to talk to these receivers, talk to whoever. Just understand, you know, when your opportunity comes, make sure when you're talking that there's substance behind it. But just be quick to listen, but slow to speak. That's something I've carried every single place I've been. Even as I run my own room now, when we're doing uh, breakdowns, we're talking about the game plan. I'm listening to all the, the inputs that's going on. And then I'll interject when it's my time to talk about my area. But definitely for the young coaches out to be quick to listen, but slow to speak. Love it. And as coaches, we know that some of the biggest hurdles to our team's success can come from off the field. Your team needs support to tackle the endless list of expenses uniforms, training equipment, travel, and more. But raising that money can feel like a full-time job. Thankfully, there's Vertical Raise. Vertical Raise is the premier online fundraising platform using innovative technology to create the easiest and most efficient system available. Raise more money in less time with a local fundraising coach who works with your team every step of the way to customize the ideal fundraiser. With options for online donations, Digital discount cards, premium product sales, and even spirit shops, Vertical Raise has top-of-the-line solutions for every fundraising style. To find out more, visit verticalraise.com, and we'll get you connected with an exclusive offer on your first fundraiser. We're taking a quick timeout from Teachable Moments here, but don't hit that skip button because these 15 to 20 seconds here will save you some time in the future. Steve, tell us what you got going out to these high school and college programs with Teach Tapes. One sentence, Keith, it's pro football focus for girls, right? How do you do simpler, better, the things that you wish you had um, in those self-scouts from the winter, right? Footwork, aiming points, tackling, ball security, it's all trimmed up, cataloged. Anything you see on our Teach Tapes Twitter, it's the behind the scenes, it's the source of coming into your exos or huddle and making sure that it's available to your players in your cutups, right? That's what we've taken a lot of pride in is taking this open source information and making it digestible for the players. Cause that's what they want to see is visuals of the guys they idolize and where they're trying to go. So happy to talk with anybody. Um, it's on teachtapes.org slash consulting. And we've been fortunate enough to work with division one, one double a division three and some of the best high school programs in the country already. So let's get it going. From that, Jordan, I'm curious too, like having a receiver background myself, how do you feel like that's in your title for different full-time jobs? But obviously you've been with different groups. You're taking a little bit of everybody with the quarterbacks a little bit in Arizona. Am I wrong? Right. That that was kind of part of it too. How do you feel like you can see the game through that receiver eye and help in the run game or help with with a quarterback perspective, right? What do you feel like that viewpoint, like, Casey Dunn's a guy that I worked with Oklahoma State. He's a lifelong receiver guy, but 
is now calling the offense at Oklahoma State. How do you feel like those receiver background help you in a leadership role on offense? Um, it definitely helps me out. You know, before I was in a quarterback room, like obviously I played receiver and I, I've always understood pass game and obviously timing and spacing and how, you know, what where the quarterback size are going to start and where they where they're going to finish, depending on, you know, defense, you know, whether we're talking one high or two high, or, you know, how the blitz tracks can can obviously affect protection and things like that. I've always understood that, but when you're actually in a room um <laughs> with, you know, uh quarterbacks and obviously and at this level, when at the level I was at, you're talking professional quarterbacks, like you're talking Kyler Murray, Colton McCoy, and Coach Kingsbury and, and the quarterbacks coaches that I was with. So just understanding what they're looking for. You know, obviously it may be one high, maybe two high, but there may be something that may give away the coverages that defenders may not know that they're doing, but actually they are doing. You know, one of the key, um, one of the, something that was really um, simple, uh, like in the NFL, they're known as, you know, just pretty much bringing both the backers, lining them up, lining both the backers, you know, up both in the A-gaps. And Colt McCoy used to always tell the, the linebackers is that, hey, like linebackers think they're, think they're slick, think they're funny or think they're sneaky. Colt McCoy would always tell the linebackers, hey, I always – know if you're coming after me we would call this basically a double barrel double a gap blitz whatever whatever your terminology would be and he would always say that the linebacker that is looking at me i know that you're not coming so most of the times we'll have one <laughs> linebacker that's looking at him right in the eyes and you have one like one, one linebacker that's looking at the ball if you got a linebacker that's looking at the ball that's linebacker that's going to come because obviously he's king off the ball he wants to get any type of tenth of a second off the snap engaging uh, in his blitz track so that was always something that was really you know interesting because so there'll be plenty of times in practice where you have both linebackers aligned both in the A-gap and both staring at Colt McCoy. Sure. And you know sure. the fact that you both are not coming because obviously you're going off, of, you're not going off of my hand, you're going off of the football. So just like little things like that. And obviously when we're talking, you know, just route running, you know, this body language, you know, how we want to look during our drive phase. You want to look, you know, when you're at the top of the break, what is open to a receiver is totally different from what is open to a quarterback when he's, you know, at the top of his drop and when 100%. he's got freaking, you know, four or five guys, you know, barreling down on him. Receiver may think he's wide open, but actually the quarterback has been off you for a full second because you're taking too you're taking too much time at the line of scrimmage, or you, you didn't save enough spacing on the sideline, or the safety's coming down a little bit faster than normal. Like there's so many just different things that I learned just from being around quarterbacks at the professional level to actually go back and tell the receivers like, hey, yeah, you were open, you know, once you got to the top of the break, but again, like the quarterback was off you pre-snap, <laughs> you know. So like, just little things like that. I was that I've definitely been able to you know expand my horizon in terms of just passing game and yeah, how everything Lord. fits together. No doubt. And like, hey, man, you're the backside curl on 95. Like, take your damn time. Win. Right. Yeah. Make sure you're going to be there late. Make sure you find the soft spot. Like, what are you really selling? Right. Hey, seam, you can have the post on the backside tag, but man, making sure you have both out of that post curl. So I love the way you're talking about it because it's got to fit both rooms for why it works. Mm -hmm. um, what I do think is interesting, Jordan, we're talking about stealing a lot of different parts from different people. Taking little pieces from everybody is awesome, right? But at some point, you got to put your blend on it all and be you in those moments with your guys. How do you feel you've been consistent to you, right? Your messaging, your voice. And when did you think you found it, right? I mean, it's not something that's there right away. What do you feel like can really settle you in and know that you're Jordan Hogan, not somebody else talked about this with a couple of coaches and a couple of places I've been at. So I spent four years coaching D3 ball. Obviously there's nothing wrong with it, but my first four years, I felt like I knew everything. Well, I felt like I knew what I was doing, but in in reality, if like I can go back in time and look at myself, working with receivers, I'm like, yeah, I was just rolling the balls out there, putting the cones down and just doing stuff. I would probably say it wasn't until, so I spent four years at Buff State and then three years at Cornell. So I would probably say my second year at Cornell was when things started to like 
actually makes sense, like from just making sure my drills legitimately transferred over to the rest of practice. Not to say like my drills that I did during at Buff State were just, they didn't have any influence or they didn't have any impact behind them, but it was more of just like eating up time. Like we, we would do agility drills, cone drills, no releases. I was having us do it, but during a week where we're going to see a bunch of zone coverage, so why are we working on, you know, press releases? You know, just being more efficient with my time. And it wasn't really until, you know, I got to the FCS level, I got to a place where, okay, like you got to really like get the most out of your time where like I may have 15 to 20 minutes of pure Indian division three. Well, in the FCS level at Cornell, like we only got 10 minutes. So I, I can't waste time just, you know, doing stance and starts, you know, every single day. Like I got to make sure I'm making the most of what I'm, what I'm doing. But I would definitely say, you know, probably my my second year at Cornell was when I started to really find my own niche as a receiver coach. Um, and the one thing that I've stayed true to about myself, just my passion for wanting to just be a technician, definitely being in the league and being around Coach Kingsbury and being around Kyler, my knowledge and just schematics has definitely gone up a notch. I'll definitely say that. I think at the end of the day, I'll always put my hat on or hold my head high on my ability to develop and to be a technician with my guys. Again, like just being in the league and not just being in the league, but I've been with four different NFL teams organization so i have a decent understanding of just like how nfl offenses you know the terminology how things for the most part work together obviously being with coach kingsbury with the cardinals it's more of a college-based centric offense you know from a tempo and just from a how he calls it and then just some of the concepts where the other three teams it was i would say for the most part it was kind of west coast from a terminology and from their past concepts going back to just being a receiver coach developed me into into a really good coach but i would definitely say that i'm, I'm more of a technician coach and just being able to develop you know receivers at the college level probably from a freshman year to a senior year that's something that i've always you know hung my head on and i will definitely you know pound the table anytime i'm interviewing like the room is going to always take a step forward and i can take a step back i'm going to be able to get that all conference player and he's we're going to take another step whether it's going from second team to first team or first team to all american that's Something that I'll put, you know, money in my stake, and I'll I'll stand I'll stand firm on that on that aspect. So, yeah, I don't think you ever feel bad for betting on yourself, right? Yeah. As a player, as a coach, like if there's anything that's empowering, it's that. And one of the things that I've asked everybody that's been on here, Jordan, I think there's moments where we all feel whether it's late at night or early in the morning or after a tough loss. There's times you look at it and be like, "What the heck am I doing?" Man, there's adversity, right? You lose four games in a row, you still got to play the fifth. Right. There is no escape. There is no rage quitting like Madden. Right. Guy goes down. Somebody else has got to play, even if he ain't the same guy. What is something that you've kind of had that moment where you think of like, man, chips are down, but I got to take a deep breath and figure it out. Like that's a really empowering thing. doesn't matter what level or what role. But you're like, man, I'm better for that experience. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, like I kind of mentioned earlier, where just some of my brothers you know, have I want to say falling out of line or falling out of the game. But you know, they had to make the, the hard decision of, hey, like, excuse me, am I going to am I going to stick this thing out for another year making 15 or 20 thousand dollars? Am I going to go get a real job? You know, obviously, I, coaching is a real job, but we're talking like nine to five. It was my final year at Buff State. It was 2016. Going into my last year there, I just finished um, my first internship with the Bills and I go back to Buff State and we have a decent year. We go five and five. And at that time, I was like, all right, four years at Buff State. I have a little bit of an NFL experience. My fourth year at Buff State, I was making fifteen thousand dollars. And I'm like, all right, I had a girlfriend at the time who was not my wife. And it was just like, all right, four years out of college, I'm making $15,000, still living at home, you know, every single year leading up to 2016. I'm like, all right, this is going to be off season. I'm going to be able to get that full-time D2 or get that QC job at an FCS or FBS program. And leading up that whole year, I, I thought about like, man, like, I'm not getting it, or at least after the season, I'm not getting any calls. Is this the right profession? Should I get out early before I put too much time in? Like, I've already 
party was four years out of college. Is my degree in communication still going to get me anywhere? So that period was very tough. And again, I'm pretty sure every coach in certain, in, in some um, sort or fashion, has had a discussion you know, with themselves or with their significant other or wife. Hey, like, excuse my French, but you know, you got to piss or you got to get off the pot. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> so like that was probably the toughest you know, decision. That, you know, for me, I'm a religious guy. So when anytime I'm having a tough day, I go to the scripture, I go to the Bible and I always find comfort in the Lord's words. And my mom is a very devoted Christian and we're in the church. So um, anytime we're going through something, we always get on our knees and we pray to the good Lord. So luckily, you know, at the end of the 2016 16 season, 2017 comes around, I get a phone call from Stonehill College, which is in Boston, their D2 in, in the month of February. And then literally my career just shot off after that. But, you know, from basically December until end of January, I thought about giving up. I started, I don't want to say quit, but thought about walking away from the profession just because financially it's tough to get going. I mean, we all know people where... You know, you really don't start making money in this depression until you're like you're hitting like maybe week or excuse me, you know, year five plus five, six, seven. I mean, we, we everyone on this call knows people that have been coaching for 10 plus years are probably making you know, nickels and dimes. So that was the toughest part because I love football. Most people that coach whatever profession, whatever sport is probably because maybe you played it or you were you have been associated since birth, figurative speech, but you've been associated for, with it for such a long time. You identify as a football player, as a football coach, and you don't know what you are without it. That was basically me. Not to say I was scared to, to give up football, but I didn't know what I would do without it. And luckily, the Lord you know, had a plan, and he was able to bless me to get this D2 job in Boston, and my career shot off after that, and I went to go coach at Cornell. But that was a tough time. That Anytime I'm feeling down or I feel like, damn, like, I don't know, like if this coaching thing is worth it, I just tell myself, keep on holding on to whatever you're going through. There's light in the tunnel. You got to hang tough. There's going to be some trials. There's going to be some tribulations. But just know, like, hey, like, if it's meant to be, it's going to happen now. It's going to work out in your favor. But again, I'm a religious guy. I'm I kind of I'm a half glass, you know, full then empty. So I'm always going to take the positive road if I can. You're going to spark me the rest of the day, man. I needed that going into the rest of the afternoon. It just brings up we were having a we had a tough loss at Iowa State, and we're at our team meal for the next game. Our D line coach got up and said something to the team and said, "There is no testimony without a test." Right. Right. So like when you talk the religious side, like he's that same person. It made a ton of sense coming from him in that moment. And while you were talking, I was thinking of just the name of this podcast of teachable moments, right? We're teachers, right? As coaches, but man, we also got to be coachable and respond to adversity. Yep. Like in Cleveland, the number one question they ask those draft prospects and in interviews, what's an example of you overcoming adversity in your life? And that's how they gauge those guys of, man, is this the right type of guy when the chips are down? So I'll kind of leave it at that, Jordan. I know you're running around with family and all that. So I appreciate the time, man. Um, yep. Teach Tapes way is how me and you connected. It's been really fun to stay in that. You said being a technician and a learner, right? And a lifelong yeah. learner. I really appreciate it, man. So we'll keep rolling. All right. No doubt. All right. Thanks, Jordan. See you, man. All right. Thanks, Steve. I've always been interested in the use of technology to make our jobs more effective so I'm excited to continue sharing modern football technology with you here on the podcast. This innovative system leverages tendencies to improve self-scouting, game planning, and in-game decision-making at the speed of the game. Modern football stands out because it's a battle-tested platform used by teams at all levels, like four-time national champion Bishop Gorman, the five-time California state champion Folsom Bulldogs, six-time Texas state champion Lake Travis, Cal football, and the CFL's Grey Cup champions, the Montreal Alouettes. So book a demo today to see why these teams trust modern football technology. Visit www 
www.teammofo.com slash demo and mention Coach and Coordinator Podcast or use the coupon code CC10 to receive 10% off your first year. As we finish up this Teachable Moments, here are Winning Edge takeaways and ideas for you to implement. So Steve, again, Jordan Hogan, the, the networking side, I think what he does is incredible, but it's not a gimmick. It's not a, you know, somebody scheming. It's just authentically Jordan and what he's made part of who he is. Yeah, and I think it all comes back to when he, he mentioned being in the internship and knowing what the role was, right, and mastering that before getting into the next step and not making it something that it's not. And, you know, quick to listen, slow to speak. I think if we all took, you know, as I've been told before, a step and a breath, right, there's a lot of things you can control. There's some things you just can't. And when, you know, I think the other line that that coach told Jordan was, when you speak, make sure there's substance behind it. Don't speak to be heard, have some impact. And he dropped some crazy nuggets. I mean, the Colt McCoy double barrel or gap pressure, whatever you're looking at, hey, eyes on the quarterback or on the ball. Like, I mean, it sounds so simple, but man, that's a huge tell if you can pick that up and help your guys out making the right protections. And as a receiver, it is an interesting background because a lot of guys are in that quarterback seat, but man, where are you at in the progression, right? How do you win? How does it set up the concept? That way, there's a difference in a quarterback thinking someone's open and a receiver thinking they're open. So I think Jordan brought a lot of perspective to that, whether it's from a career path or just being a better technician. I don't want to get it lost, but he, he really talked about, I, I feel like I can develop guys, and I take a lot of pride in that. So I think that's awesome to hear. I would want to bring up just setting matters sometimes, Keith, of like, Jordan was on spring break. He's back in his parents' house in Buffalo. He's doing professional development. When things are hard, he goes back to his faith, and he talks about his mom. And, like, you know, it's cool to hear people just be in that comfort of who they really are and why they can help themselves, right? You don't need somebody else to help you. Just make sure you can be there for yourself. Like, why why treat yourself worse than you let other people treat you? And, you know, I have to bring up this Eli Rashid quote. You know, our D-line coach at Iowa State stood up team meal before a big game after a bad loss and said there's no testimony without a test and like when Jordan talked about his faith and I know coach Rashid that's a strong thing for him too like man that's really powerful even when you know people have different experiences and I think that was really cool for Jordan to share then our last teachable moment here really involves the word adversity and I think Jordan's done a great job of of doing that and you know he doesn't necessarily have the easier path and you know, anytime you start at the D3 level, it is a little bit more difficult, but I think he's done a good job in facing adversity and finding his path. Yeah, and, and he mentioned there's kind of that moment in time where like, man, how long can you slug it out? And, and everyone's had that thought, you know, when you're young, you're like, how can I not succeed? I'll just keep grinding. And then life happens, you know, the girl, the, the kids, the expectation, whatever it is, right? And it's all good things. And Jordan talked about getting that chance at Stonehill and then it turns into Cornell and then it turns into the, the internships. And, you know, as you just keep finding a way, like you look back 10 years ago, I mean, man, what I didn't know, what, what I'm so much better at for now. And um, when I was in Cleveland, one of the big words we looked at in the, the draft, you know, interviews at the combine was how do they respond from adversity, right? When the chips are down, when you got dirt underneath your fingernails, you're going to find a way later in life to get better because hopefully you've learned from it. So I thought that was pretty cool of Jordan being open about, man, where am I at? I'm doing, trying to do things the right way. When am I going to get my break? Just another moment where I feel like a lot of us have been there. 
Be sure to go to coachingcoordinator.com for enhanced show notes with links to related episodes, resources, articles, and with our winning edge takeaways detailed in text. Also sign up for our free weekly tip sheet, which highlights the best ideas from the previous week, trending episodes, and featured resources. Follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski.